much for joining us on episode number 202 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So Kevin ran his first race this weekend since January of 2020. So we're going to be recapping that and kind of the feel of being in a race again. And also talk about running form, especially as related to racing and why running form is so important to help you hit your next best race. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So Kevin ran a race this weekend. Woo-hoo! Well, Monday, a couple days ago. Yes. Yeah. A long weekend here in the U.S. Long weekend here in the U.S. So it was Kevin's first big race, first live in-person race since January of 2020, so it's been almost a year and a half. It's a long, long time since crazy. the last race. Yeah. That, that race was a lot bigger. This was like a local 5K. Yeah, it's a local 5K with a couple hundred people, but it was still a couple hundred people. And like, really in general, we haven't been in any situation with a couple of hundred people right. I mean, I, in the last year. At the school I teach at, there's like 400 kids, right. 400-ish. They've never as- gathered for yeah, an assembly. Yeah, there's been no assemblies. Like that was, that was too big. We had assemblies live streamed to our classroom. So that mm-hmm. we were working groups of like 25 kids. Right. So let's just talk a little bit about what it was like to get back out there. Because I think a lot of us are kind of rusty, right? We're kind of like in that mode where I know there's a lot of people that are starting to race again, depending on what area of the country or what area of the world you're in. Some races are starting to come back. And there's a lot of nerves coming back, I think, you know, even more than what would normally be there for a race. Because I would say that like most runners have some for- form of nervousness before before any given race, right? You never know what's going to happen, all that. But it's been so long for so many of us that since we've done this, I feel like that's kind of compounded the nerves. Like, did you feel that way? Right. Like, there's there's a lot going on with it. Uh, you know, you just show up and there's all these people walking around yeah. and no one's wearing a mask mm-hmm. and everybody's like right up in each other. People are warming up. So people are like breathing heavy and like, I know that I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm vaccinated. I've read studies. I've heard people discuss the safety of outdoor exercise, even in tight quarters. It's still, still outdoors. Like the ceiling's really tall. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a safe thing, but it, you've got that in the back of your mind. Yeah. Well, it's crazy, you know, just how much this new way of life has been just completely indoctrinated into all of us. Right. So you right? got like it's there. Yeah. You know, it's like it's you feel weird around other people, which <laughs> is like the strangest thing, right? You feel weird around other people. Like I, I saw multiple people there that I know and my first thought is to go up and like talk to them. Mm-hmm. And it's like I haven't gone up and talked to people that I know and see on a regular basis without a mask. Mm-hmm. Like, because normally I see them in a classroom or in their office or right. whatever it is. And before you enter, you put a mask on. Yeah. And it's just, it's weird to see people. I haven't seen them in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hell, oh, hey, you yeah. without a mask? But like, you have to assume that they're okay with it because they're there too. Because they're also there. Right. Yes. So it's like, if they weren't comfortable being there, then they wouldn't be there. Like if they weren't comfortable talking to other people, it's not like you can be like, oh, whoa, whoa, keep your distance. Like right. we're in a race situation here. Yes. Like yeah. everybody you, that's there is okay with it. Right. You got a number pinned onto the front of you. You're okay with this. Yeah. So you've got that kind of lingering in the back of your mind. And I'm sure that was more for certain people at the race than others, but sure. that adds a level of stress. And then mm-hmm. you haven't, actually raced against other people in a long time like outside of these like put on time trial elite athlete races Mm -hmm. there haven't been a lot of like casual runner races 
I mean, the timing company hasn't done this in over a year. Like mm-hmm. the, I, I heard the timers trying to set the mat up. They're like, oh, that's right. We've got to bring the mat into place. Like, it's just like this. They're thing. rusty. Exactly. Yeah. It's a little rusty with this. And it feels like the first time in such a long time, which gives a lot more feelings to the first time. Mm-hmm. So it puts you in this this nerves of I'm not sure how it's going to go and it kind of goes back to well okay so how do you approach the situation you know it's what we tell some of the kids on our cross-country team when it's the first cross-country race they've literally ever done mm-hmm. like how do you approach a situation when you have no idea exactly how it's going to play out yeah for so. sure and you know it, it is very interesting like going into this right now right because when you are racing after such a long break you just have the, that feeling of an uncertainty right and like and like you said like when you layer like COVID and everything that we've been through with like lockdowns and quarantines and all these things over the past, you know, year plus, it just like increases that level of certainty, right? Right. Uh, The uncertainty just keeps getting a little bit more in the, and then, oh, plus there's also this and then also this. Right. So like, you're not only questioning your fitness and your like ability to run this race, but now you're questioning your safety a little bit too, even though you know you're okay. Like you said, you know, like you've read the studies, you know, you have your shot, like everything, you know, you're safe. Right. right, but there it's still just there in the back There's, of your mind. It's still just <laughs> it's, it's still an there. awkward situation. Yeah. It's an awkward setup because it's the first time I've been around that many people, especially that many people unmasked. Mm-hmm. So you just have that because that's been so abnormal for yeah. so long now. And then it was a five k, which is not really my go to distance. Mm-hmm. So I haven't run raced a five k since. December 2019. Right. I haven't trained for a 5K in quite a while. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you just kind of went out to do this one. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very, very local. It essentially runs around our neighborhood. Basically. So, you know, it, it was one of those things where it's like, well, I should, I should really do this thing. So what was one of the things that you felt like you had to kind of keep in mind, you know, when you came into this race with these feelings of uncertainty? I think it's it goes to like what we tell some of our, our younger runners is, be in control of what you can control and then make sure that you fully accept the things that you can't because mm-hmm. you can't control certain things in the race. Like I don't know who else is going to show up at the race. Yeah. Like your goal is to win the race. My and goal is to win the no race. no idea who else is showing up on the line. It's just past the end of track season down here. So I could get a kid who's just like a high school senior coming off the end of track season yeah. who just finished the state meet and decided, hey, I also live really close to this local 5K who could just crank out some crazy fast 5K. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's showing up. Yeah. And and there were a lot of high school kids there. There were like a lot of high school kids. High schools. Yeah. Um, and then there haven't been a lot of, of a whole bunch of different races. So there's always like triathletes that are very good 5K runners. They could just pop into this race just because they felt like popping in. Yeah. The woman who finished third overall was from Portland. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. Oh, that's random. Yes. So, I mean, like, you never know who's just going to show up mm-hmm. at a race, however big or small the race is. Yeah. You just never quite know who's going to show up at this. So Yeah, and then you obviously can't control the weather. Like, it was super hot and humid oh, that day. It was brutal. Like, it was really brutal <laughs> that day. You know, you, you can't control who shows up. You can't control the, the weather. Like, you really can't even control your own performance that day, if you think about it, right? Like, this is what we tend to tell all of our athletes. You can control 
the way that you prepare for the race, but you can't actually control the way your body responds on that day. There are certain things you can, right? Like you can control your fueling, you can control your hydration, you can control um, your mindset. You know, that's obviously a big one that leads to a lot of control over other areas. But like physically speaking, your body's going to kind of perform the way it's going to perform that day. Right. You're bringing in whatever fitness you're bringing in. That's what you've got. And then you hope that you're able to fully express that fitness on that particular day. Right. But maybe maybe it's a day that you're just not feeling it. And you're not going to know that until they already shoot the gun and you're into the race. You know, you can control your pacing a little bit. You can try and be, like, smart about it. But if you haven't raced in a long time, you're like, oh, wait, that's right. Every time they shoot the gun, I take it out way, way too fast. Like, that's Guilty. that's the thing that shows up. Mm-hmm. That, that was my goal, actually, was to take it out in control and hope that the guy behind me did not take it out in control. Mm-hmm. That was that was my plan. Is that what happened? Yes. Nice. Because <laughs> you were winning by the time, well, like you were in first by the half mile mark of the race. Yeah. Right? And then you just held on to it from there. Yeah. So this is part of my, my move is I was pretty sure looking around, I didn't recognize anybody. It looked like I was going to be able to beat the people in the race. And um, I talk a lot during races. I think I talk more than a lot of other people do during races. So I'll like call out to the guy on the lead bike. I'll call out to random people like telling me to turn right. Like, Mm -hmm. of course I need to turn right. I don't need to say anything to this guy. Like if I turn left, I turn into traffic. The bike turned right. I'm going to turn right. But I call out just to give the impression that I'm feeling better than I am. Oh, that's fun. To let the person behind me know, oh, not only is he in front of you, he's also chatting. Yeah. Like when you turn that one corner, you're like, you should move the sign to the other side. Like. that I almost was, ran into it. That was hilarious, you know. And those of you that follow me in the that are inside our Real Life Runners tribe, um, I put up a post for Global Running Day today that was um, a video of like 30 seconds of Kevin's race when we saw him, and, and it actually caught that moment. It was pretty funny. <laughs> he like yelled at the race people, and they did. They like ran over and grabbed it and moved it. Well, that's because I almost tripped over the yeah. sign. Like, it was... Definitely, because I wasn't sure how far behind second place was. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely like a, hey, I have the ability to put together a full sentence. How are you feeling back there kind of thing? But also, so funny. I was pretty sure that people were actually going to trip over that sign. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it had both had both aspects right. to it. So when you accept what is beyond your control, right? Like if you can just go into a race and decide like, okay, there's certain things that are just going to be beyond my control. I'm going to come out here today and just give it my best effort. How does that make you feel? Like, do you feel like that decreases your level of stress or increases it? Oh, it completely decreases the stress because then you don't have to worry. Like, yes, my goal is to go out and win, but you don't have to worry if you don't win Mm -hmm. because the goal is the real goal. The underlying goal is to simply go out and give it my best effort that day. So if I came away without a win, but I know that I went out and I pushed really hard because I was just really like, "Eh, let's see what happens if I run a 5k. Let's bring it today. Not do anything crazy and like take it out super, super fast, but just like bring it and run an aggressive race. Mm -hmm. Then that's, that's a win on the day. Mm -hmm. And that, that definitely takes down a lot of the like pre-race nerves. I heard there were a lot of like nervous comments because you can hear the conversations. People yeah. come with like their running buddy or their like their group of running friends, and there's so much nerves on the starting line. Yeah, what line. were you hearing? What uh, kind of things were you hearing? People kept being like, "Um, 
I don't want to start anywhere near the starting line. I want to be like five rows back because it's been so long since I raced. So there's people that are like basically hedging their bets yeah. before they've even fired the gun. Mm-hmm. Like they're already they're already put- making the excuses. Yeah, yeah, you can hear the people lining these excuses up, and then somebody would make that comment about like, "Oh man, I'm going to start a few rows back because I want to make sure that uh, that I don't take it out too fast." And then the person standing next to him, who doesn't know that person from Adam, also takes a step back. Like, maybe you're in phenomenal shape, but they're influenced by, you know, so-and-so's negative comment. So Mm -hmm. it was really funny. You heard a lot of that before the races, of people putting in the excuses. Isn't it funny? Like, I I know I've done this before, too, for sure. Like, I think that this is something that we've all done before, where you kind of, like put the excuses out there just in case it doesn't just go that well, then it's like, oh, well, yeah, I, I understand. But, like, I kind of expected it. You know, it's like if for some reason it makes us feel better, but it's really not. Like, it really doesn't. It re- in a way, you're essentially, like, setting yourself up for not performing as well because you're already giving yourself an out so that when things do get hard in the race, you can just let off the gas, right? You can yep. just pull back and you're like, oh, yeah, see, I knew this was going to happen. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right, whereas you, in fact, know that it's going to get hard in the middle of the race Mm -hmm. because it's a race. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why it's going to get hard. It's not going to get hard because you haven't raced in so long. It's not going to get so hard because you're out of shape. It's going to get hard because you're doing it correctly, and it gets hard in the middle. You know, this has been a while since it was December 2019 was the last 5K I ran. So I haven't been at that place where, you know, you have over a mile to go in the race, and everything your body says... I'm good to stop. Yeah, at this especially point. when you're running by your house right at like mile two. Like, like he literally runs by like a side street that will like leads to our house just past the two mile mark. The, I'll just turn in here. So, so the kid on the lead bike as we passed the two mile mark, he was he was a great lead biker because he kept calling out and towards the end like he was yelling back encouragement over his shoulder. But as we passed the two mile mark, he goes two miles, just one to go, which is first off a lie because it's one point one miles to go and we all and we know all it. feel that point one we all know it um especially on this course because it has like a u-turn right at the three mile mark and then mm-hmm. you have to sprint back to the finish um but he calls out two mile one to go I, and i call it back out to him yeah but my bed is just ahead on the left <laughs> <laughs> he was probably like what is this guy talking about right he came up afterwards he goes do we really like run past your house on yeah. this thing and go 100 percent. yeah and it would have been a whole lot more comfortable to just go and lay down rather than <laughs> actually continue oh i would have kicked your butt out of bed so fast but i was not in bed though i, I was there cheering for i you. think our little one would have daddy what are you doing <laughs> what go are back, you doing go back out and run get back out there um so overall how was the experience painful <laughs> and exhilarating, yeah. which is what a race is supposed to be. I was going to say the definition of a 5K right there. Right. Or really, I think most races, Any like, race, yeah. they should be really kind of painful, but they should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. If you're not having a whole heck of a lot of fun in the race, then why are you running the races? Like, mm-hmm. yes, there's something to be said about, oh, I just want to push myself and see how hard I can go. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Pushing yourself is fun, right? Isn't that part of the fun of being a runner? Yeah. Like, I think that's that's fantastic. And trying to get out there and beat other people, that's kind of fun. Messing with people and trying to, like, you know, race strategies and things like this. Mm-hmm. It's a fun game to play. And we haven't played it in so long. Like, virtual races were cool. 
Like they were needed. People needed things to shoot for. Yeah. I don't know if needed is necessary, but they were they were an interesting experience. And mm-hmm. I don't think that they're going to completely go away because mm-hmm. it allows people to run a 5K for whatever cause they want from right. wherever they are in the world for whatever. They, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. But there's something to be said about head-to-head competition, yeah. about getting out there with a group of a few hundred like-minded individuals and just going for it. Yeah, and I think that a lot of real-life runners don't necessarily go into it with that competitive mindset necessarily. Like you do and like some some of other of our listeners are definitely up there at the front of the race like trying to win races or trying to win in their age group yep. even, right? Like we have a lot of competitive people in the in our on our team, in our tribe, but I think that a lot of us also are just out there just running for fun and for for the camaraderie of it, right? So it's not necessarily that you're trying to beat the person next to you, but you're like all trying to move that direction together and keep pushing yourself together. Like that's one of my favorite things about races is when you're out there, you hear other like runners encouraging other runners, you know, like when somebody's walking, then they're like, come on, let's go, let's do this. Right. Instead of like, sweet, that person's walking. I'm going to pass them now. Ha ha ha. Right. Like that's not usually the attitude of most of the real life runners out there. Like the people that are in the mid pack or what, whatnot. If you're not at the very front of the race trying to win, you're always trying to do your best right like I think that that's really the key is like we are always trying to push ourselves to do our best but I think that a lot of us are also like trying to help other people to push themselves not give up on themselves and do their best too and that's one of the beauties of the race environment also that's why I, I like this race because the third mile is a reverse of the first mile basically and so people that are walking the 5k Mm -hmm. i'm passing them like i'm passing them as they're heading out i'm heading back in right like that's a it's a reasonable thing because i've run two miles they're walking one mile so that's appropriate pacing Mm -hmm. i i find that mile a whole lot mentally easier and Mm -hmm. i don't think that it's just because it's the end because it's better on this race than it is on other races that i've run because you can see the people you can cheer for other people Mm -hmm. who are out there doing it and it catches some of them a little off guard yeah that like the lead bike goes by and it's his job to move them to the side of the sidewalk so that i have a clear path like that's his job but then i run by and i'm like doing great looking strong Mm -hmm. and they get this look on their face like what is he talking about and then you know, a half second later, they're like, oh, he's cheering for me. Mm-hmm. And then they'll cheer something back towards me. It's it's nice to see that. And you get that out of so many people in road races where it's, it's the positive energy of the whole group. And mm-hmm. everybody sort of raises each other up. You yeah, know? and I love that. And I think that that's one of the things that I definitely saw. I mean, I was just out there cheering for you. And then um, our, our little one decided that she wanted to do the, the kid's mile. Um about 20 minutes before the race started. Yep. So <laughs> it's not playing on that one at all. You had to go get some running shoes for her. and, and <laughs> Again, then I, good thing we live right by the race, right? And then I got a cool down because mm-hmm. then I, I went with her on the uh, yeah. on the kid's mile. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. So if you haven't raced yet, you know, think about it. You know, if you feel safe, if you feel okay about being around a crowd and, um, you know, you, you feel personally okay with that, like think about getting back out there and just challenging yourself. And we would suggest that you guys kind of take this as like a checkpoint, right? Like try not to compare to like pre-COVID or pre any of this stuff and be like, oh my gosh, I'm in such worse shape or I'm in such better shape or whatever it is. And just be like, okay, let's go out and do this and just see where I am right now. Yeah. It's not better shape, worse shape. It's simply the shape that you're currently in. The cur- right. Like you asked me the night before, would you have like a time goal in mind? And I'm like, mm, 
I have a really wide time range mm-hmm. in mind because I was not sure what was going to happen. Plus, the yeah. weather was brutal that morning. It really was very hot. So we want to now transition into talking about running form and racing. Okay, so specifically, like, what does racing have to do with running form? Okay, so if the goal of your race is basically to run as fast as possible, which I think is the goal for a lot of people, whatever that means, whatever that means for you, like to run your fastest possible, then any improvement in your running economy Mm -hmm. will help you be faster at the finish line. Absolutely, because... When you improve your form, you waste less energy, okay? So, like, when you have a certain running form and, say, your arm is swinging all over the place and it's, you know, basically just wasting energy instead of propelling you forward, there's all this excess motion. If your your hips aren't strong enough and your hips are kind of flopping all over the place, that's excess motion. And then tr- your body's trying to work harder to stabilize you. You know, your knees might be crashing in the, like your body's just working hard to stabilize you. So if you improve your running form, you can then take that energy that would have been wasted on just stabilizing the body and use that to actually run faster or run farther. Right. So you you feel better. You don't die quite as early in the race. Like mm-hmm. you're going to feel stronger at the end of the race because you didn't use all of your energy doing silly things like waving your arms all around while you're running. <laughs> okay, Phoebe. Well, I, we, I did run the mile with our little one. Like mm-hmm. we're halfway through. We're around like the half mile mark. And she decides that she's going to start jumping up to the side and kicking the like bushes that are kind of growing onto the path. She was doing that? So like Every three steps, she would like hop up and like karate kick the plant to her right side. I'm like, I go, kiddo, I that part. kiddo, you still have over a half mile to go. You might not want to be jumping quite as much. She oh goes, my gosh. Oh, okay. Because she's like panting. Yeah. But still leaping and karate kicking the plants. Oh my God. That's like, hilarious. All right, kiddo, let, let's run. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so funny. So, you know. As the race goes on, as you fatigue, your form is going to naturally break down, okay? Like, that's just what's going to happen. Like, Kevin's form at the beginning of the race, and I have watched so many of his races, (laughs) his form at the beginning of the race does not look the same as his form at the end of the race. So no matter how good a shape you're in, your form is going to look different at the beginning of the race versus the end of the race because you're tired, right? So you're just going to be looking a little bit different. Right. I mean, I mean, this goes on every level. What was it? Three years back in the Boston Marathon that came down to the three guys who had to sprint oh the goodness. final half mile. Was that Boston or New York? New York. That was New York. That was New York because yeah. there was three guys that came around the final turn mm-hmm. and then they dropped one of them. And then it was two guys was so with insane. a quarter mile all out sprint. But these are some of the top runners in the world If you put them on a track and said sprint a quarter mile, that's not what either one of them would look like. Mm -hmm. But at this point in time, they are going for everything they possibly could. They've just run 26 miles. And now they're told, okay, after the 26 miles, please sprint a quarter mile. And so they're going at like low four minute mile pace. But not with smooth form, with like legs going and arms going, anything that they could to get themselves to the finish line. And don't get me wrong, they were blazingly fast, but their form was still not ideal because because, your form just breaks down. Well, it breaks down. And at that point, your normal muscles, like the muscles that would normally be performing those motions (laughs) are so tired that you're literally, like you said, you're just trying to pull in energy and muscles from anywhere. Like, please, somebody help. Come on. We need to, we need to get in here. Like get it get it you know it's like bringing recruiting all your friends to come and like help you 
you do this thing, even friends that do not belong there at all. Right. Like, I don't know how you're going to help, but <laughs> triceps, kick in. Yeah. Do something. <laughs> like, it's just like, that's what happens, you know, at least in that example that you use, you know, where you're having to all out sprint it. But so many times, right, like, I know that when I ran the um, Key West half marathon, I was, my pace was way faster than I ever, than I expected to be for that race. And I just was like going for it. Right. But like, I felt my calves cramp up around mile 12 and I really wanted to go faster. Like I wanted to push it. And every time I just tried to increase just a little bit, my calf would grab me. So I was basically trying to run a very fine line (laughs) between some tight calves and like all out muscle spasm, like having me on the floor. Yeah. I think there's probably a few of us that have been yeah. there. I know I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we have listeners that have tried to walk that line. And if you don't walk that line correctly, you're now laying on the side of the pe- mm-hmm. of the road. Yeah, for sure. So that's an example of when maybe muscle strength could have been a little bit better, you know, in that area. Like had I had, you know, if I had focused on strengthening my calf muscles maybe a little bit more, would I have cramped up as bad? I don't know. Like, I do a lot of strength training exercises, but I don't know if I had done enough calf-specific strength training exercises for that round of training, right? Right. I mean, you were also pushing yourself really right to your physical limit. Like, sure. that was a great – you went out faster than planned. Mm-hmm. You went out essentially with nothing to lose because the setup for that race was so crazy. It was crazy, yeah. So you just – you went for it, mm-hmm. and you probably found, like, an upper limit of – calf cramping Mm -hmm. like at the end of the race some people get a little upset when people like take the the race photos of them towards the end of the race like come on catch me at the start of the race when i look like i'm running good Mm. no 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 no. look at those pictures at the end of the race and now with a critical eye of like oh i look terrible in that no no no. actually try and figure out what's so messed up with your running form because that's the area of weakness you need to be working on right and this is why training for strength and power and endurance is absolutely critical like you want to be building both your power and your endurance like just throughout your your training also depending on what race distance you're training for right? 100%. how much how fast you have to go that's going to depend um or that's going to influence how much time you spend training like for power versus endurance but you still need both because as a runner that's what you need in order to run faster run longer do all the things you need more muscle strength and more muscle endurance because as we as you get tired, your form is naturally going to break down, and that is a result of of weak muscles, right? Of of muscles that are just unable to keep up with whatever that demand is that you're placing on them. Right. So it's it's a power and endurance, and they kind of work together. I see if I can explain this well. You check on me on this one. But if you can get your muscles to be able to exert more power with every motion, then they essentially. If you don't need all of that power, that muscle doesn't have to fire at 100%. Mm-hmm. So then that muscle can last a whole heck of a lot longer. The closer you are to using like everything that muscle has, the faster it's going to wear out. So power and endurance do sort of work together in yes, that, in that they respect. Do. Yeah, and, and that's a, that's a great um, example. And then the other thing that you'll notice too with running form, so not only will maybe your calves start cramping up or muscles start cramping up or your hips will kind of start to go back and forth more, um, which is going to affect the way that your knees are and the way your foot's hitting the ground, all of that matters. But another common thing you see is like runners starting to hunch forward, right? Like they start the race very upright, shoulders are back, chest is open, we're breathing 
everything nice. And it's like, you know, you get tired and you kind of like start to round forward. You kind of start to hunch forward as that race progresses. Right, which is usually weak back muscles. Yeah, I mean, it's a combination. It's back and core and it's kind of everything, right? Because running is a full body motion. And this is what a lot of people don't always recognize is that they think that, you know, oh, I only need to strengthen my ankles or I only need to strengthen my hips. Like I heard that hips are really important for runners. Like, and yes, they are. And we've done plenty of episodes on the importance of strengthening your hips, but your whole core, your entire trunk, your muscles of your back and your abs, they're responsible for holding you upright. And so if you have decreased strength, in your back muscles and you start to hunch over as the race goes on, it's going to be a lot, like it's going to completely affect the rest of your form. You're not going to be able to pick up your knees as much because you don't have, like you're getting, you're going to get like a bend, not only your shoulders, but probably in your hips as well. You're going to start kind of bending forward. That's going to affect your back. And you might start shuffling your feet more like so it's just you know one thing starts to break down and then it's like kind of a chain of events from there yeah because as soon as you start leading forward now your arms can't swing correctly because Mm -hmm. you're leaning forward too much so you start kind of punching the arms forward rather than driving back you shuffle as soon as you start shuffling now you're even more likely that your calves are going to cramp up because Mm -hmm. you're not getting good leg motion yeah you're you're likely to get a side stitch because by like hunching forward and kind of curling your shoulders in you can't actually take a deep breath so now you're like oh man at the end of every race i get this side stitch i really need to work on my breathing no you really need to work on your overall core strength because if you just weren't hunched you'd be able to breathe properly Mm -hmm. you were breathing fine through the whole rest of the race Mm -hmm. that's why people tend to cramp up and get that side stitch late in the race like it could be like the endurance of your actual diaphragm, Mm -hmm. but it could just be that you're hunching over a whole heck of a lot more. So really take a critical eye to those race photos from the end of the race and, and look at it and be like, Oh, that's an area that I should really work on. Absolutely. And this is why running form and strength are so related and so intertwined and why strength training again is absolutely critical for runners. Like as a runner, you need to be doing strength training multiple times per week if you want to have the best results like if you want to run without injury if you want to get faster if you want to be able to run longer you need to be incorporating strength training because you cannot improve your running form simply by running more this is why running is you know we talk about our real life runners training system that we've created which is mind body and skills you need to think like a runner you need to have that mental strength those mental skills those you know tricks when things get hard to keep your head in the game that's super important right you're not not that you're heading hedging your bets and making excuses right you got to get your head and your focus in there you have to train your body with the strength training the nutrition the fueling all that stuff and then we talk about running form as a skill that you can improve but you can't just improve that skill by just running more miles right like if you go to a different sport, like say football. If you would like to throw a football, we're talking American football on this one. If you would like to throw a football and all you do is take a football and throw it over and over and over again all day long, mm-hmm. it's just going to reinforce how you're throwing that football. Yes. Whatever whatever form you're using to throw it, it's going to reinforce that form mm-hmm. because no one's no one's pointing anything out. No one's being like, oh, you might want to move your elbow in. You might want to point this hand, direct this pinky, like whatever the tips and tricks are on that, you're just really reinforcing exactly what you're doing. So if you have... 
some tweaks, some errors in your running form, if it's lacks some smoothness to it, and you just go out and run and run and run, it will slightly, slightly mellow itself out. But for the most part, you're just reinforcing your running form. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, people have been like, okay, your running form is your running form, and you will just optimize your running form by getting more miles. That pretends that running is not a skill. Like running is an athletic skill that you can actually train to improve your form. Yeah, and you also need to strengthen yourself so that you can continue to improve it. Like going back to your football analogy, right? Quarterbacks don't just go out and throw and throw and throw, right? They have drills where they're improving their form of their throw. And they also have strength training days where they're going into the gym and lifting heavy weights so that they can actually strengthen the muscles involved in throwing. But they also are strengthening their legs and their core because they have to be able to stabilize their body so they can get the full power in their arm. Throwing is not just from the arm, just as running is not just from the legs. It's a full body motion. You need to stabilize the and generate that power from your core in order to run faster or to throw a football further. Right. So the first statement here is you cannot improve your running form by simply running more. But the second one is you also can't improve your running form just by doing strength. Right. Like just simply doing strength exercises is not going to improve your running form. Mm -hmm. Both of these are focusing on improving the body and hoping that the skill will just magically improve itself. Right. Both of them pretend as though running is not, in fact, a skill that you can work to improve. And running is 100% a skill that you can work to improve. You have to build your strength. You have to actually go out and run so that you can practice your new form. But you've got to actually focus on what that new form is and then build the strength around it to make sure that it's supported. Absolutely. So, you know, when we talk about running form, we... oftentimes get the question of like, should I even change my running form? So there are some people um, that come to us and they're like, oh, I need to change my running form. And we always start with the question of why, Yeah. right? Like, why do you feel like you need to change your running form? Oh, well, I saw this video on YouTube that was talking about running form and they said that I need to be at 180 steps per minute and I need to have this kind of arm swing and I need to have this kind of foot strike. So if I change my running form and I change from a heel strike to a midfoot strike or even a forefoot strike, I'll be able to run faster and I won't get injured as much. Hmm. And I'm like, woo, 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 back up, back up, back up, right? So form changes are pretty difficult, right? Very like it, difficult. If, to, when you really get into it, especially if you've been running for a while, because like Kevin said, if you've been running for a while and you haven't given any thought to your running form, you've just been, been reinforcing your current running form for however many minutes you've run for your entire life. Right, which is why I'm very grateful that I got into running at like 14 and my coach made fun of me for like the first cross country (laughs) and track season until I fixed some like major errors in my running form. Mm -hmm. And it's because I didn't have to think about it. Every time I ran past him, he would comment on it. So I stopped waving my head all over the place Mm -hmm. and I would just run with my head still. Right, so because this is a difficult thing to 
fix, right? We'll, we'll just say fix, right? Sure. Change. Um, if you want to do something to change your running form, it requires a lot of de- like determination, a lot of focus, a lot of time, a lot of patience, right? It's not the easiest thing to just change your running form. No, it's a lot of time because when you first change your running form, it feels super uncomfortable. Totally. And you'll, in fact, your running will go in reverse. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, well, you just change that thing and suddenly running is super easy and you, you're feeling great. Mm-hmm. Like, no, if you change that form, running will feel more uncomfortable because mm-hmm. it feels unnatural to you. Right. So because, you know, knowing this, right, knowing that it's difficult, knowing that it's going to take time, knowing that you might even regress a little bit in your running, is it worth it to change your form? And this is one of the biggest questions that we talk to our runners about, like on our training team, because they'll be like, oh, I think I should change my form. And we'll say, like, why do you want to change it? Like, what's the point of changing it? And is it worth it to you? Like, is it worth all of the time and effort and patience that you're going to have to put into that? And for some people, the answer is yes, because the form issues are so significant that if you do alter those form issues, you're going to get a massive payoff. Maybe not immediately, but there will be a massive payoff to, you know, to fixing certain form issues. And for other people, it's just like small issues and they're not really having a problem, right? Like if they're not having pain, it goes back to the old adage, if it, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Yes. Sometimes it's you can make little improvements and tweaks in order to optimize, right? But optimizing things is a little bit different than making major changes to your running form. Right. So there's there's sort of the, the subtle yes answer. And then there's the obvious, like, if your running form is so off that you get hurt or that it's super painful to run, then yes, there are, there are changes to your running form that will probably actually make you feel much better because mm-hmm. you're not holding your arm in an odd position and, you know, it just... We've had runners that had such weird form. Like I remember my first coaching job, first coaching job. Mm -hmm. I had just graduated college. I was an assistant track coach back at the high school I went to. And there was a kid on the team who carried his arms in such an odd motion that after 15 to 20 minutes of running, his hands both went numb. Yeah. He he was carrying his shoulders so tight that he was literally shutting off blood flow to his hand. Mm -hmm. So he was my project. My coach was like, I don't know, figure out how to fix his arms. Like that was the project. Yeah. And so we figured out and we worked on it and then he could feel his hands. And as soon as he could feel his hands, he could then comfortably run more than 15 to 20 minutes. And that was huge for his ability to actually train. Right. Exactly. So we, if you're looking at the question, like, is it worth it for you to change your running form? I think we have to kind of look at what the point in the goal of running is in the first place, right? So if the goal of running is to find satisfaction, you have to figure out what that means to you. Does it mean that you want to race faster? Does it mean that you want to run without pain? Do you want to be more consistent? Do you want to run longer? Do you want to actually like test your physical limits and see what you're capable of? Are you just trying to get okay with discomfort? Yeah. Right? Because if that's the case, then changing your running form might be a really good thing. It might be a really good lesson for you to learn, right? Because <laughs> okay it's a, with discomfort. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that that's part of running is being okay with being uncomfortable. Yes, very much. That's a major lesson that we learned from running because it's there are so many situations in our life where we're uncomfortable. And as human beings, it's like we start to feel uncomfortable. And we're like, I got to get out. I got to get out. Like, it's, it's like the alert goes off right 
But how often are we able to just sit in that discomfort, whatever it might be, with running, with, you know, an uncomfortable relationship with a coworker, like whatever it might be, are you able to just be in that discomfort? Yeah. And so pretty much all of these goals from faster to running without pain to longer, all of those goals require more running, like simply being able to go out and run more. But you can't just start by saying, okay, so to get to those goals, I'll just double all of my runs during the week. Like, that is a bad idea. Don't do that. (laughs) Like, your starting point is to say, am I strong enough? Do I have the appropriate mobility to actually increase my mileage? Mm -hmm. Like, before you just start adding mileage, make sure that you have the appropriate strength foundation in your body to safely increase your mileage. Yeah, and there's so many runners that just want to ignore this part. You know, they want to just run, and they're like, well, I like running, I just want to run more. And they just think that things are just going to magically fix themselves if they just run more. And the truth is that's just not going to happen. Like, you need to have strength training, you need to have mobility, you need to have this foundation in place. And so many runners don't, which is why they get injured, which is why they have to take chunks of time off because they're in pain, or because they're burnt out. And if you don't take the time to build up that strength and the mobility in your body that you need, you're not going to get very far with any of this. And and it, it all goes back to that, you know? So don't be that person that's unwilling to put in this type of work, right? You're, you're willing to put in more miles to get to where you want to be. So why aren't you also willing to put in the strength training? And, And a lot of people are like, well, I don't like it, but learn to like it like learn to and if you don't like it if you if you have tried to like it and just can't do it then at least just do it because you know you have to right it's like there are some times that we can you know do thought work around things and make ourselves like things more and there are other times where we just have to suck it up and do it because we know that that's what's going to get us to the next level that's what's going to get us to the point where we're able to achieve those higher goals that we have set for ourselves yeah it's like trying to give your kids vegetables like it does it's not always a you know screaming success when you first start it there's going to be vegetables that they're like i don't feel like this but they still need to eat them yeah and as a parent you're like i don't want to fight with my kid every single time we sit down to dinner and yet you also believe that they need to eat their vegetables so you kind of have this trade-off of all right this is this is a good and appropriate thing for you you need to eat this so i'm going to keep giving it to you but then you maybe dial it back on like how much it is and you know that if you're a parent with kids you've played this bargain game of like well how many green beans do i need to eat all right you need to eat Those eight green beans. You don't have to eat the rest of them, but those eight you have to eat. Like, this is where strength training can come in. Like, if you're really against it, there's a minimum that you have to eat. You have to eat the green beans, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes you have to eat the Brussels sprouts. So, like, you've (laughs) got to do it. But you can roast them and turn them into Brussels sprout chips so that they don't really taste as much like Brussels sprouts. Sure. Or if you're like our big kid, you just put a lot of mustard all over Mm, everything. I don't know why that's And if you're like our little kid, then you just put balsamic glaze over everything. (laughs) So either way, there's all sorts of things you can do to mask it. So you can do the same thing. So put on a good playlist (laughs) for your strength training. Bingo. Like that's that's the thing is cover it with something else. Like Mm -hmm. get some good music going. Like You need something that's going to get you through it until you get to a point where it's like, actually, 
I kind of enjoy these exercises because you know if you just keep serving those vegetables to your kid, eventually they're going to be like, yeah, can I get some more green beans? They're, they're all right. Mm-hmm. Because they're hungry and they're good and they've had them so many times. Eventually you're going to be like, yeah, I guess I'll do some more clamshells because they're they're fine. And right. you, can, you can do the strength work because you need to do the strength work. For sure. And so that's one of the reasons that strength training is so, so important. But when you become stronger and you become more capable of like holding this proper motion and, you know, not fatiguing as quickly, your running form is still not going to magically just fix itself. In all likelihood, it will probably improve. You know, I, I will argue that as you get stronger, your running form is going to naturally improve, but will it be completely better and magically, you know, the perfect running form? No. No, like just, you're still going to be able to optimize that. Right. Just because you're like holding plank for, you know, 25 minutes, which is probably unnecessary. Uh, maybe definitely unnecessary to be holding plank for 25 minutes. I would like to see you do it. I cannot hold a plank for 25 <laughs> minutes. That's not a challenge that I will accept. No. No. Um, but like as you really start strengthening all these things, that doesn't just improve your form. Like you're not going to suddenly change your cadence. You're not going to change the way that your arms swing. You may improve your posture. And that will possibly help other things because so much of your form is connected. The way that you're standing helps the way that you're breathing. The way that you're breathing helps your arm swing. And if your arm swing starts going, then that allows your leg to drive. And because your leg is then clearing, like it's bending properly, your foot clears on the way through, that naturally improves your cadence. Like it's all connected. Right. But so by by increasing your strength, you will improve your running form. Yes. But running form is still a skill that you need to focus on in order to optimize it. Right. But I just laid out, I don't know, five, six different aspects of running form. Right. Don't do them all. Like, yeah. just don't. Don't do them all. Pick one. Yeah. And then when you focus on that change in your running form see what sort of feels awkward in your body like Mm -hmm. pick one thing maybe you're going to pick your posture maybe you're going to pick the way that your arms swing as you Mm -hmm. run and then see where that kind of feels weird in your body are there any muscles that are coming up particularly sore like if you train like actually stand more upright and breathe you know properly as you go through your run does your lower back hurt mm-hmm. do you do like the front of your hips hurt all of a sudden is it is it something that you're like well i did not expect that like i'm standing with proper running form and now like my lower calves are hurting a whole lot more because your running form is so connected top to bottom by changing the way that you're holding your shoulders, you changed probably the way that your foot landed on the ground also. So figure out one form change and then see how that affects your body and use that as a highlight of, oh, that's an area that I need to work on my strength. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what we're doing this month inside the Real Life Runners training team, right? Because what we're doing is our monthly focus is on posture and running form this month. So we're having all of our team members go through like an assessment to kind of figure out what we did some strength assessments last month. So this month we're really going going to look at running form and we're going to give our team action items every single week. So we're like, okay, on your runs this week, this is what you're focusing on. And we have very specific activities. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do on run number two, number three this week. So we're going to break it down so that they don't have to like try to figure all this out on their own. All they have to do is 
follow the way we have everything laid out. And by the end of the month, it's going to be really fun to see what, what everybody's running form looks like as compared to the beginning. Yes. Yeah, so it should make some, some solid improvements. And it takes a month to do it. Like At this least. isn't going to be like, hey, work on this on Monday and it should be magically fixed by Tuesday. It's going to take at least a month to do it, right? right. Like, I mean, we're going to do it as a monthly focus, right? But it's one of those things where we're going to focus on a certain aspect of the running for each week. Like, you know, one one week we're focusing on posture, one week we're focusing on cadence, one week we're focusing on arm swing, and it, we're going to focus on it throughout that week, but that doesn't mean that everything is magically fixed by the end of that week either. But at least at that point in time, those runners that have found little deficits or weaknesses know exactly what they need to do moving forward. Right. And what it does is it tends to highlight weaknesses or areas of particular tightness in the body, which are often areas of weakness inside of the body. Mm -hmm. And so then you know, oh, okay, these are the strength areas that I'm lacking. So I can work on those strength areas as I continue to periodically bring some actual mental focus to that aspect of my running form. And you build both of them together. Right. You build the strength up well periodically actually thinking about the running form and you're like oh as I keep thinking about this running form and I improve my strength it turns out that changing that running form doesn't cause a new soreness in my body because you keep gradually building that strength up underneath it yeah absolutely so guys if you want some help with your running form with your strength training it's not too late to get in on this this month okay inside the real life runners training team we are focusing all about running form and then of course as we always do we're, we give you strength exercises so you don't have to figure any of this out on your own. We give you the entire plan for you to get stronger, avoid injury, fix your running form, run faster, run longer, all the goals that you want to achieve in your running. So if you want more information about the, the team, you can head over to the website at realliferunners.com. Get in on this month, okay? Like come do the action items. We want to help you guys Fix your running form so that you can feel better when you're running, so that you don't get as tired, so that you don't get go out there and end up in pain in that injury and inconsistency cycle. We want you to break out of all of that because running can be so much more. Yeah, plus you know races are coming back. Like they're starting to come and people are putting into their training plan of, I mm-hmm. want to train for a race. 12 weeks out right now is yeah. putting you to the end of August. Yeah. And so, so if it's you a, got fall marathon season coming, it's a good time to start working on this mm-hmm. stuff. Yep, for sure. All right, guys. So thank you as always for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend. And also what you can do, if you're listening on your mobile device, you can take a screenshot of this photo and then share it to your social media also. That's another great way to kind of spread the the news of this podcast to your other running friends that might benefit from this. Um, So we appreciate that. And we appreciate all of you that have left us reviews on iTunes as well. And As always, we appreciate you for just spending this time with us and for having us in your ears for the last 49 minutes and 40 seconds. So we'll let you go off and do your day and get, you know, finish up your run or whatever it is you're doing. And um, we just appreciate you guys being here. So thanks for being a part of our Real Life Runners family. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 202. Now get out there and run your life. Hey. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. 
we teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.